I am on. Good evening, good evening. So, this is, tonight we're going to start out in Exodus, but we're mainly going to be in a lot of Exodus. Um, but before we get started, uh, Pastor reminded me that it was my turn to preach this Sunday, like uh, last week. He said, you ready to preach? I said, uh, when? <laughs> about next Sunday? No. <laughs> so uh, let's pay extra special attention. I, had, I always write in my Bible. I have a book that I keep with my Bible reading that it has things to, things to develop further. Nothing. I mean, I had a whole bunch of stuff, but nothing that was really... Uh, this is what you should preach on. And then I was reading in uh, Exodus, Exodus this week. I don't know when. I think it was Monday, and Monday or last Saturday, and it was. I came across this, but um, you know, the Bible reading calendar is something the pastor has us read. If you're not gonna, if you don't know what else to read, read that. But read something every day. Um, if you if you don't plan have a plan on reading your Bible, I can tell you how much of your Bible you're gonna read. It might be like ten chapters, honestly, because we're all we're all people and we go right back to where we want to go, which is usually not up. But uh, that's not what this message is about. Uh, let's go to Exodus 13. And I forgot to get. And go to Exodus 13, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines although that land was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Israel. I noticed that harnessed word this last time. That's not what I'm going to preach on, but hmm, I, don't know what, I don't know what that's there for, but I'll work on that later. And Moses took the bones of Joseph wisdom with them, for he straightly sworn to the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and he shall carry you up, my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day or night, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you that we can come tonight. I pray that you'll help, uh, help me when I speak to speak exactly what you'd have me to preach um, and help me to uh, not say what you wouldn't have me to preach and uh, just be with my stumbling lips and help me to be clear and uh, give an honest representation what you, what you want me to preach tonight. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us and thank you for uh, your faithfulness to us. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so if you look at the first few chapters of Exodus, um, we are introduced, we're introduced to an oppressed people. After chapter 1, chapter 1 talks about the generations of Israel and gives all their sons, you know, gives this 12 tribes and some of the kids. And then it jumps right into chapter 2, and then the phrase that most of us know, and there arose a Pharaoh that did not, that knew not Joseph. So, so when, he, when that guy comes along, 
it's time to build the pyramids. And I've, I saw a poster once, and it had the pyramids in the background, and it said, it's, un, it's amazing what you can do with an unlimited supply of slave labor. I am not, I am not pro, but it's just, everybody looks at the pyramids and says, oh, that's neat. Do you realize that was built with slave labor? So, um, yes, it, it, yeah, it's, just, it's just bad all around. But that's not what we were talking about tonight either. Um, and then Joseph, it just kind of caught my attention because another thing I read this week, that's what, or two weeks ago, in Joseph in Genesis 31, 41, 34, man, dyslexia is bad today. Uh, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Everybody, everybody will say 10% is a lot of money to give in the offering plate. This is not a message about tithing, by the way. We haven't even got to that part yet. 10% um, is a lot of money to give. But you recognize, every time I read this, I always, I always notice, the world wants twice. Yeah. Twice. Then they take it by force. And then by the end of the seven years of famine, Pharaoh owns the land, the cattle, their houses, everything except for the priests priests of on. So, yes, God, yes, tithing sometimes is a, when you don't have any money, sometimes writing out a church check can be painful. But, you know what, the world it will take it by force. That's right. They don't give you a choice. The world is not your friend. They take things from you forcibly and they say, no, 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 that's bad, sorry. Um, <laughs> that, that one's not bad. Um, they say, we're taking it whether you like it or not. God says, give it to me. Um, and at the end, God, I, yeah, I probably just did something very bad in sign language. I apologize. It was not intentional. Um, you never know what's going to happen when I'm up here. I just, <laughs> and it's not always good. <laughs> um, that should be the last message, of tithe, thing of tithing, but Actually, what I saw was a quote, what kind of prompted that thought in my mind as I was re getting ready for this message, was I'd seen a quote from, from somebody, and at the end I'll tell you who it was, and it was, yes, I tithe, and I would like to tell you how it all began, how it all came about. I began to work as a small boy to help support my mother. My first, away, my first wages amounted to $1.50 per week, so you know this was a long time ago. The first week I went to work, I took the $1.50 home to my mother, and she held the money in her lap and explained that she would be happy if I gave a tenth of it to the Lord. I did. And from that week until this day, I've tied every dollar that God has entrusted me with. And I want to say, if I had not tithed, um, totally something different that I probably won't talk about, um, I would have not tithed the first million dollars I made. I did not make a million dollars last year, just so you know. Tell your readers to train their children to tithe and to grow up if you say faithful service to the Lord. That was John D. Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, John D. Rockefeller was a saved man. Um, he gave a lot of money to the Northern Baptists. Now, the Northern Baptists, a lot of money to the University of Chicago uh, to form a divinity school. Wouldn't send my dog to the divinity school. But that started out as a Christian institution by a man who, when he died... His net worth was almost what the United States was worth. So 
And it started because he was faithful. I'm not preaching the Joel Osteen version of give and you'll get. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm preaching be obedient when you have little because when you have more, it's harder to give more. It's harder to give, and this doesn't just apply to money, though money is the easiest thing to quantify because we all know what $10 looks like, but we don't know what ability besides financial looks like. Sometimes it's hard to put a price, put a thing on that. But just remember too, uh, in Matthew it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I gave this thing in uh, Sunday school this morning. I was reading Leviticus. I struggle reading all of the words in Leviticus when I read it. I really do. I'm just being honest. About the fourth time we talk about clean and unclean and what you do with leprosy, the old EDD kicks in and I got to go back. Um, but to get to the end and God says, if you'll do all these things, then I'll make sure it rains. I'll make sure that that song that we sang tonight is true. Um, I'll take care of you if you just obey. He's not asking you to do. So, um, but Satan doesn't offer that promise. Satan promises you, if you follow me, I'll make sure you, you're broke, your family's a mess, your country's a mess, you go to hell, and you'll drag other people with you. Good trade, good trade. Um, so now back to the regularly scheduled programming. Um, I, so the title of my message tonight is Why Does God Take Us the Long Way Around? Sometimes I take people the long way around when I'm discussing things. Um, so have you ever looked at life and said, why am I going this way? I'm sure my kids have, because there have been times when we're going back and forth between wherever we're going, we end up at the south end of Skinny Atlas Lake. Why? Because that's the way we went. Would it have been quicker to go a different way? Oh, most likely, yes. Uh, but sometimes God gives us those detours. And it's not just so that you can see the beautiful view from the nice at the end of South, uh, the south end of Skinny Atlas Lake or Owasco Lake or Cayuga Lake. The, bottom, the view at the south end of Cayuga Lake is not great because you see Ithaca. But anyway, at the, at the south end of Seneca Lake, it's pretty. Um, so why does that go do that? Let's go back to Exodus 13. We haven't left there yet. Um, but the, the, first, the first thing is God led them not through the land of Egypt, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt. Why did God take them the long way around? If you look on the map, it's, not, it's probably two or three days, let's say maybe two or three weeks, to get into the promised land from where they were but instead they go south. Why did God do that? So they wouldn't quit. So they wouldn't quit. Um, the way you're going now might seem like it has challenges, but maybe God's taking you this way to avoid the Philistines. Your Philistines look different than my Philistines, but we all have Philistines in our life, people who want to destroy us. And, you know, it's interesting. The Philistines were never really driven out of the land of Egypt, or land, the promised land. So they were, with, they were with the children of Israel for quite some time, until the end. Um, but one of the reasons why God takes us the long way is so that we don't quit. Because he, um, you know, if you take, uh, 
if you take a kid and say, let's go for a bike ride, and then you say, hop on, we're going to ride around Cuga Lake, guess what that kid's never going to do again? He's never going to hop on the bike because he doesn't want to go 100 miles around Cuga Lake. The same thing with you. Um, sometimes in your Christian life, you're not ready to face giants. The Philistines had giants. Goliath was one of five brothers, and they were all big. They were nine feet tall. They weren't quarry people big. They were way bigger. Um, so God doesn't, you know, sometimes you're not ready to face those people. So that's one reason. Another reason, though, this one, this one you, this might take a little bit of supposition, but to break ties with old friends and acquaintances. Um, sometimes you, it's the, you know, one thing about whole, COVID is hopefully for some people, you've, you've not been around people that you wanted to be around, but you've not been around people who might not have been great for you. Well, in this particular case, the children of Israel were away from the children of Israel, were away from Egypt. If they had gone that way, they would have run back to, they would have run back to their Egyptian friends, friends, wanted to enslave them. Because um, you remember when they were hungry, what is the first thing they said they wanted? We want melons and leeks and garlic. I like leeks and I like garlic, but I want them, they've got to be the flavoring, not the main course. And that's not the first thing I mentioned. I like steak with onions, but I like steak with onions, not onions with steak, or the other way around. I don't like, I don't like steak with the side, you know, whatever. Sorry. But don't forget, the children of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. So even though they were enslaved, you've got to believe that they had friends. And maybe they didn't. Um, but for the purposes of tonight's message, message, they had friends. So I'm preaching and you're not. Uh, Exodus 12, 41. And it's, how, how do I get to 430 years? Uh, 12, 41. And if, I, if I, you find something wrong, we'll talk about it later. I'm sure you'll find lots of things interesting that I say. But, um, and it came to pass at the end of 430 years that it came to pass that even the self-same day that all the hosts of Israel went out from the land of Egypt. So they were there a long time. And it says in 1230, so let's go back up to 1236. Um, and, and let's go... It's 1235. Let's go to 1235. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now, I recognize God was at work, but people aren't loaning gold, silver, and raiment and jewels to people they can't stand. Now, God was at work. This was a, this was a miracle. But I'm not loaning tools, money, other things to people I don't trust. Now, God may allow them to be, God may tell me to loan it to them, but it's, I know when I get loan it to them, it's a gift. Um, but again, this message isn't about your trustworthiness. This is about why does God send you this way? God sent you this way. I, I said all this to say, 
they had friends back there. So if they'd gone to the Philistines and fought the Philistines, they would have run back to their old buddies. Your old friends, you know, there's people even as a Christian that are bad for me to be around. You know, so it brings out the, the best of my charming personality. You know, I, you know there's, there's a reason. I, I spent, try to spend, read more of my Bible every year because my charming personality needs to be kept under wraps because it's not so charming. Um, <clears throat> maybe the hardship would drive them back to the old friends, and I use that word uh, loosely to what they already knew. Um, let's go to Psalms 103 for our next point. I would read the whole chapter. This is what happens to be one of my favorite chapters in Psalms. I have a few of those in Psalms. Um, I think we're kind of living in verse 9, or we're going to see what we're going to leave in verse 9. He says, He will not always chide forever, neither will he keep his anger forever. I don't think we're dealing with God's anger yet, but it's coming. It's coming. That's not what we're talking about either. Because in verse 10, he talks about he has not dealt with our sins, nor according to our mercies, to according to his, or nor rewarded us according to his iniquities. And then verse 13 is where I want to talk about. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are but dust. As, um, as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower in the field, so he flourisheth. So for the wind passeth over it. And it is gone, and the place thereof shall it shall know it no more. God knows what we are. He he knows what we can handle, and we are but dust. And if you don't think you are, that stuff that you wipe off the mantle occasionally, that's part of you. Your skin, every I forget, it's quite quite quickly how much of the outer layers of your skin come off. So we are dust. Um, there's, you know, he knows us in a, in a global sense, that he knows our your frame, he knows all of us are, are troubled. Okay, the human race has problems. The, but he also knows your problems, my problems specifically, and his care and attention to us is individualized. There's nothing that he's not going to give to pastor what my brother needs. He's not going to give to my brother what pastor needs. They both might need the same thing. But God gives us what we need. Just like when you raise children, equal is not always fair, and fair is not always equal. Just because I have four children doesn't mean I take everybody gets the same. Well, that particular day, one might get two and one might get none. Just because that particular day, the one that got none was being an absolute stinker, and, I'm, and I'll be hog-tied and branded if I give it to him. Same thing with God. God. God looks at us as individuals. He doesn't. He 
doesn't treat us as number one as as a number he looks at us as people um, but the empathy he knows that he, they could not handle the fighting of the Philistines at this time well don't, and also he also knew that they were enslaved people so they weren't leaving they weren't leaving Egypt with submachine guns and helicopters and tanks they were leaving Egypt with whatever harnessed don't know what that means, but I think it means they were carrying everything they had on their back. We just moved in August. I can't imagine taking everything I own and carrying it on my back across town. If we did, there wouldn't have been much that we moved. It would have been a quick move. It would have fit, it would have fit in a wheeled suitcase, maybe two, one for each hand. Um, and your circumstance, so your circumstances are, while unique, are not that unheard of. Um, your circumstances are unique to you, but, you know, it says there is nothing new under the sun. Somebody has faced this before. So, yes, you say, I am facing some difficult times right now. Okay, we've never faced COVID before. No. Uh, about 100 years ago, a lot of people died from the Spanish flu. There's debate over whether it was really the Spanish flu or whatever it was. Um, but let's, to, to, to just to further address that, go, let's go to 1 Colossians 10. First Corinthians 10. How about that? You knew what I meant. If anybody finds Second Colossians 10, let me know. Maybe it's in Bell and the Dragon or whatever those other books in the Apocrypha are. But that's the one I always remember because it sounds so weird. Why would you read, why would you think that would be Bible? Anyway. Um, First Corinthians. Corinthians. That's the problem with reading quickly in abbreviated Bible book titles. You get too far ahead of yourself, you, you make yourself look like a doofus, which is it's par for the course. First uh, Corinthians 10:12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with them temptation make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear it. Yes, you may be tempted to quit. You may be tempted to say that I've, I've had enough. Well, if you're saved, you haven't had enough. You're the, you aren't, the, the circumstances you, in your life are not on accident. And you say, they're hard. Oh, hey, I know about hard. There's plenty of people in this church who know about hard. But apparently, that was part of the plan. Part of the plan I'm not always a huge fan of. I can't always say, oh God, I, I, can, I always lived Romans 8.28, and I could say it with sincerity. No, not me. I can't. I can't say that. There's times I was like, I'm not so sure that's really, I know it's in there. I know every word of God is pure, and every word of God is true. But are you sure that's true today? Some takes a while to get to that point. But 
so you say, well, this is hard. I don't like the way I'm going. I'm just going to go back to the world. Well, just remember how I started out this message. The world will take twice as much as God, and at the end, all I want to do is destroy you. So if that's what you want, I would say go ahead, but people would be very upset if you did. And your family will be upset if you did. Um, uh, it's, you know, God gives us the grace to handle what he's thrown in our path. So they may have complained about having to go south from Succoth. But what they didn't realize is what they were avoiding was the giants of the Philistines. They avoided those giants. So sometimes when I've complained, yes, I have complained long and loud. And I've had some, some things that, God, what is going on here? But maybe I was avoiding something worse in that particular case. Um, so one of the reasons, I gotta look, he knows what we are made of and how, how all that goes together sometimes um, is a little bit, is, is challenging for our feeble brains. Uh, to, another reason why he sends us the long way around. Let's go to Exodus 16.4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven unto you, for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they walk in my will or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare twice, prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much for their daily gathering. And Moses and Aaron said unto them at even, Then shall ye know that the Lord had brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, one of the reasons why God sends us the long way around is to prove us whether we're serious about obeying. There was a few people, we're not going to take the time, but there was people right week one, we're already, we're not even 10 days into this thing of the manna coming down from heaven, which manna means what is it? You've got people sleeping in on uh, not taking as much as they should have on Friday and wake up Saturday morning going, not what is it, but where is it? So they got to go hungry. So you guess what? Next Friday, they did what Moses and Aaron told them to do, and they got twice as much because nobody likes fasting and praying on Sunday if you're not supposed to. Um, I really like Sunday dinner. Um, but to prove them, it says, uh, as humans, we don't always like, we don't always like, uh, commands, requests, rules, with the explanation of, because I said so. But you know, the Bible is full of them. You know how many times God gives us why he tells us to do what he told us to do? So the whole, the whole law is given. The simple explanation God gives is so that you will not be afflicted with the diseases of the people of, Egypt, or of, the people of Canaan. That's the whole reason for why they couldn't have pork chops and bacon and shrimp. Well, I can't have shrimp because it makes me sick. But all those things, all those things to avoid. Why, you have to, why, you, why can't you wear linen and wool on the same outfit? Because I said so. 
God very, very, if you read in Job, Job at the end of Job, Job talk, Job, God answers Job. And, and I've gotten some of those answers too. Um, where were you? What were you doing when I? God doesn't answer that question. If you ask God why, you may not get an answer. In fact, I can almost guarantee you won't. In, in the Bible, even in the New Testament, I think I put it in my notes, but I don't think so. Um, he says, why was this man born blind? That he might give honor or glory to God. That might be the only answer you get. That might be the only answer you get. But you know what? According to Revelation 4, that's why you're created. That's why you exist. That's why God said, you can breathe today. And what's Revelation 4.11 say? I know it by heart, but I can't remember it to save my life, and I don't have it written down, so we're going to have to turn there. <laughs> and I think it says, I think it starts with, Thou worthy, O Lord, to receive rich... Oh, I did. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for they has created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That might be the only answer you get why you get to take the long way around. Sometimes you'll get, well, like I know for, for us, sometimes with our house situation this summer, that's why it took longer than normal. Sometimes you'll get the answer. Most of the time, you're not gonna. And if you're one of those people who has to know the why, God works the way he does, you're going to frustrate yourself and your family and those around you beyond belief. What, um, you know, God, God doesn't give us those, but God does, but believing that to prove us and, and just doing what God said, that takes faith. That takes incredible faith. You know, 8, 20, Romans, to live, Romans 8.28, it's a very short verse, for we know, oh, man alive. I was going to quote that one too. Can't. Romans 8.28, you know the verse. Um, and honestly, I've had people quote it to me, and, well, you know, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. Yep, sure do. Um, and we all know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are who are the called according to his purpose. Yes, that's in the Bible. But just, this is not part of the message, not even in my notes. Um, but be careful saying that, how you say that to people who are going through life-altering tragedy. Because if you say, well, you know, on the inside they're either crying because they hurt so bad they don't know what to do, or they want to put their hands around your neck until they see your eyes bug out. It's one of the two. <laughs> I'm not saying either reaction is right. And it doesn't make Romans 8.28 less true. God can use a donkey. Maybe that day you were a donkey. I, draw your own conclusions. Sometimes I have been on the wrong side of... Well, you know what the Bible says, and sometimes I've been on the giving side of that, the, the giving, giving. That's not giving. Um, but then this one, Romans 13, uh, it also takes great faith to believe to, 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 for God to show what he's doing. 
Um, this verse, the last few years, has taken a lot of faith on my part. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject to the powers of, to, unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resisteth the power, meaning government, resisteth the ordinances of God. And they that resist shall, shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror unto, of, of two good works, but to evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt receive praise of the same. And then it says, for he is a minister of God to thee for good. Even the ones I don't dis that I don't agree with and that are doing things that I believe are unconstitutional. Yes, because they're still alive. Yep. They're still in power. Even the ones that pass things that I don't like. Yeah. Remember, the guy who wrote this was in a prison later in his life where they chopped his head off. The same government chopped his head off. So, uh, in Christ we have yet to have that here in this country. I don't think people are being, having, being decapitated in public for being a Christian. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen, but it has yet to happen. So, God knows that takes faith to believe that. It takes a lot of faith some days. It's, it's, re it's, you know, it's, um, it's very easy to have faith when you got money in your pocket and food in your belly the mortgage is paid, and, you got, and you're getting ready to go. You just got back from the nicest vacation you've ever been on. It's easy to have faith then. It's real hard to have faith when the opposite is true. Well, actually, I would say that it's harder to have faith when you have money than it is to have faith when you don't. Because when you don't have money, you, you have nothing else but faith. If you're... Um, wow. Um, but anyway... So well, let's go to the next part of that. In today's climate, that takes faith. That takes faith to believe that this is part of God's plan. Um, and then let's go to Exodus 20 one more time, where God says, prove. Exodus 20, 20. So we all need 2020 vision. I've heard that preached several times, but it's still true. Um, and, the, and the Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that ye may fear, that his fear may be for his, your faces, and that ye sin not. Part of what, part of what being proved is that you don't sin when you get the opportunity, that you recognize God for who he is. Remember, he slew 100,000 people and that came against the children of Israel in one night. He divided the Red Sea. He stopped the Jordan River. He helped America get established. He did all of these things. Now, that's, that last one's kind of, people would say that's supposition, but I'd say it's pretty good fact. Um, he did all of these things. All he wants you to do is take some faith so you can prove your faith. Um, prove me is a good, also a good phrase. Let's go look at Malachi 3.10. 
And the book of Malachi is one of my favorite books in the, in the prophets in the Old Testament. There's some pretty awesome verses in there that aren't, in, aren't anywhere in the Old, that aren't in any of the prophets. We're not going to cover all of those, um, but 4.2 4, was a nice verse, but the one we're going to look at is 3.10. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that ye may meet in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing that there shall be room enough, not room enough to receive it. Anybody who's been a Christian who's tithed for any length of time, I hope you recognize that that's your life. And if you don't, I feel sorry for you. Um, but proving God, God wants us to prove what he said is true. This, this verse has application in so many different things. We look at Luke 6.38 where it talks about give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. We use that verse for giving. I think, it's, I think it's applicable. But if you look at that verse in context, it's talking about people. It's talking about how you relate to people and dispensing mercy and dispensing kindness. In today's world, dispensing mercy and kindness you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because most people today are grumpy, demanding, have a terrible attitude towards everybody else around them and towards authority. So you can dispense those things in a sincere way. People can tell when you're being a syrupy liar. And if you don't think so, just try it with a kid because they'll tell you, you you don't mean it. But in today's, so Malachi 3.10 is speaking specifically about giving, but it, that it's a scriptural principle that can apply to so much of our life. So God says, obey me, prove me, prove my words. So that's another reason why he sent them out into the wilderness or sent them a different way. Let's go back to Exodus. Well, this is... Exodus 13, 19 through 20. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with, with him. Did I? Yeah, that's, a, that's the right one. Sorry. For he had straightly sworn to the children of Israel, God will surely visit you and carry my bones hence. So he tells them they're going south to Succoth. Well, the reason why I say it gave them time um, I don't know if you've ever taken people on a camping trip. Our family has never been camping because my version of camping is a cabin with no plumbing. That's my version of that's the that's as low as I'll go. Um, but can you imagine taking the whole church on a camping trip and we're going to walk? How big of a disaster movie that would be? <laughs> well, imagine doing it with a million people. So this, this, is, this is a process that takes time. That's the only, that's the only thing, um, that's the only thing that, that's the reason why I say that. That many people getting, going camping 
that takes time and i'm sure there were some wonderful christian attitudes and if i have to hear him snoring three tenths over one more time i'm going to put a pillow over his head i'm sure that was discussed um, and sometimes my children get to hear me snore in my room from their rooms but you know them's the breaks kids them's the breaks uh, let's go to ezra Ezra 9. I don't remember when I saw this first. I know it was in the last six months. Ezra 9, verse 8. And now, for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Just so, you know, sometimes taking a right instead of a left. In this particular case, they did take a right. They went south. Um, God did give them a space for grace. You know, um, Ezra, have, you know, when God sends you on a detour, do you stop and think, okay, maybe I need to just breathe a little here and try to figure out what God's saying to me? You know, when we were getting ready to move, we thought we were getting ready to move like three, four, six, ten times. Did not work out. If I never do it again, it'll be too soon. Um, but after a while, I did say, okay, God, what, what, what do you want from us? In this what are we supposed to do now that we have now that we've been called off the launching pad sometimes I didn't always get an answer sometimes it was just read my Bible more sometimes it was well you don't have to work as hard about moving you can just chill out um, but recognize that sometimes your detour is God's work in your life um, Romans, uh, Psalm 46.10, Be thou, ex I will be exalted, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the whole earth. Just be still. When That would, could be one thing. Just maybe this little detour is a time for you to lick your wounds and, so you can get back on your feet. And don't forget, too, these people had been enslaved for 430 years, and every day they had people telling them when to get up, when, how many bricks they were going to make that day, where they were going to put those bricks, all of those things. So now, now they're out riding the open prairie with nobody in charge. So they had to figure out this whole self-governance thing. I've heard from some people, like people who were in maximum prison, they struggle on the outside. Every day they had somebody telling them when they could go to the bathroom, when they could get up, when they could eat. Inside they go, I don't know what to do. And they end up back where they where they came from, but we're not talking about recidivism in the prison system either. Um, you know, give your children something to be in. So this is good practice for your children. Give your children something to practice being in charge of. I'm not saying make them responsible for the family budget and grocery shopping because if you send a five-year-old into the grocery store with a hundred dollars, I know what they're not coming out with: <laughs> vegetables meat yeah they're coming out with sugar bomb cereal m&ms skittles maybe ten dollars you know fifty dollars worth of skittles 
and you're going to have to get them off the roof after they're done eating it all. So maybe not give them, but give your children to something to be in charge of. Some point, they're going to be, they're going to be old enough where they can start to take responsibility. You may say, well, when is that going to be? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it may be a while. But they just uh, give them practice of being in charge. And I got to move. Uh, let's, the next one. God wanted them to be put in a place where they had to trust him. If you'll notice, so they went south. They went towards the Red Sea. So when you go south from where they were, they were up at the mouth of the Nile-ish. Uh, they were basically at the south end of the Nile River Delta. And then they went south. Well, that's the Sinai Peninsula. There are two ways off the Sinai Peninsula. The way they came and the way that, and across the Red Sea. Well, they're not going back the way they came because even though a bunch of people just died, they've still got, they're the most powerful nation in the world at the time. They can't go too far to the west because there's this big body of water that those people who are carrying, not carting all their worldly possessions, can't swim across. Now, people say it was the Reed Sea. No, well, the Bible says it was the Red Sea, so it was the Red Sea. If, you, if you're going to go semantics with the Bible, just throw it out. Save yourself the time and energy of reading it. That's not really what it says. If you're not going to believe all the words, then what words can you believe? And this was not a verse, this was not a message about Bible believing either. But if it says the Red Sea, that's what it was. It was not the Reed Sea. And Napoleon tried to cross the Red Sea when he was doing his little excursions into Africa and almost got himself killed. So that obviously was not of God. He almost drowned. Um, but they wanted to be put in a place where they had to trust God. Because you look, and they, they, so they, get, they, get, they keep walking west or east, and all of a sudden they realize, oh, there's smoke. There's dust on our trail. Somebody's coming in fast and in a hurry. And then they realize it's Pharaoh, the new Pharaoh, because the old one died. Remember, God killed all the firstborns, and presumably the one, the last the Pharaoh that Moses talked to in the beginning of Exodus was not the Pharaoh that was coming now. Um, they, he, so he's coming up fast, and he's got his army with him. Well, guess what? These are unarmed people. They had to be trusting God. God wants... Sometimes God wants to put you in a place where you have to trust him, not because, not because he's mean and nasty. God's not going to put you in a place for you to be destroyed you know, before your time. You know, there, was time there was people in the, in, the, in the Reformation who paid with their lives. Well, maybe God wanted it that way. The Apostle Paul was decapitated. Peter was crucified upside down. James was killed. So God wanted that for them. That's hard to take, but they weren't experiencing anything that God want, didn't want them to. So God wanted them in a place where they had to trust him. And then if you look also, you know, one of my favorite ones is Peter out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee says, God help me. 
I've heard messages both ways. Peter should have been out. shouldn't have been out of the boat. Peter shouldn't have been out of the boat. Well, guess what? He's one of two people that ever walked the earth that walked on water. So I'm going to say, even if he shouldn't have been out there, it's pretty cool he got to walk on water. The last time I tried, didn't work so good. Um, so next time you're out in the middle of a Wasco Lake, in the middle, it's about 300 feet deep, just step out Don't, and see how, see how long it lasts. Um, but it's interesting, that story is only told in Matthew. It's not told in John or Luke. It's not told in Mark or John. Don't know why. Um, it's the Jesus walking on the water part is, but the Peter walking on the water isn't. Um, sometimes God wants to see, wants to show you that he will take care of you. And then another one is, he planned on destroying the Egyptians anyway. So if they went north, the Philistines wouldn't have killed them. This is supposition. This is supposition. Um, but if they, God, maybe God wanted them to get all the Egyptian army out in the middle of the Red Sea so he could drown them. Because you look at it over and over again, and, you know, God talks about servants as my servant Nebuchadnezzar. Well, after my servant Nebuchadnezzar did what God told him to do, God destroyed his kingdom. So, Yes, while well, God may use wicked people to punish his people or to show his people something, God also destroys the wicked people. So that could have been what was going on. And I'm not saying the children of Israel were punished because they were in Egypt for 430 years. They were there because God had told them to be there. And then this one is interesting. They saw God and believed on him. This is the last one. Um, if you, While they're south of Succoth, go to... Exodus 24.9. So I had long operated under the presumption, until this week actually, when I was reading my Bible, um, that the only person who really saw God was Moses. But that's not what it says. If you look at 24 verse 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Oh, by the way, Nadab and Abihu did some things they weren't supposed to do, and they got smoked. Um, so even though they saw God here, they later were killed. And the 70 elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. I never, I've read my Bible lots of times. I've never seen that before. And there was under his feet, as it were, the work, paved work of a sapphire stone, and it were, as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hands. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. So they saw God and then they lived. So you don't eat and drink after your diet. After your diet. After your diet. After you're dead. Sorry. My tang gets all tangled. So... Because they went south instead of northeast, they saw God. One of, so there's 70, let's say 75, 76 people that have seen God. The 70 elders were one of those people. Now, not the whole children of Israel saw God, but 70 is quite a bit. And that's awesome. I, 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 I don't. So when you take a detour, you have an opportunity to see God work. You don't see God when things are going fantastic. You might, 
But the temptation is to get lifted up with pride and to forget God. You see God when he bails you out of situations that you can't fix. You know, one of the things that was written down here was Asa and the, million, the king Asa and the million people coming out of Ethiopia to destroy them. And he said, Lord, help me, help us, for we rest in you. Israel could not defeat a million-person army, but through God they did. The same thing here. Israel could not defeat the Egyptian army, but through God they did. And then just after that, the elders saw God. It's pretty, pretty astounding. So, so imagine if they'd have gone northeast instead of south. The, the, new, the uh, first five books of the New Testament would have looked a little bit different. Maybe, maybe numbers wouldn't have been there. But you know what? There's some things in numbers. You read the book of Numbers, yes, there's some, and the 12 gold, you know, whatever, you know, all the things that they offer, but there's some pretty awesome things that God does in Numbers that he's not done anywhere else. So why do we take detours? So that you don't quit. To break ties with old friends and acquaintances. He knows what we're made of to prove us. Give you time to get established. God wanted to put them in a place where they had to trust him. He planned on destroying their enemies anyway, and they, they needed to go south in order for that to be accomplished. He wanted them to see God and believe on him. Um, before, I, before I close, there was just one, one quote I, I, I've, I've long admired, and it's from, a, uh, it's from somebody who I would not quote much else of what he said, but... Let me give this one little plug for reading. Um, even Paul told Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. It's probably talking about Bible and spiritual books, but it's, it has a practical application. Do you, do you know some great literary works of a while ago? The modern stuff, mostly it's a great thing to start your fireplace with. But... Um, but as Christians, we need to know about our history, about world history. Now, filter it through the lens of the Bible. Don't take everything you read in the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and say, that's gospel. No, it's what's in that book. How does it line up with the Bible? Um, <clears throat> but towards the end of the World War II, Winston Churchill, that bastion of uh, Christian conservative thinking, said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Now, the people on the left, um, they look at that phrase as, what can I change in your life and how, I, how, you, how you are ruled because of a good crisis? But the Christian approach to that saying is, what, how am I supposed to change my life because of this crisis? Um, and that is why Romans 8.28 exists. All things work together for good. And I would say that if after COVID, you're doing every, nothing, you can't say, you can't identify one thing in your life that changed you for the better in the relationship with God, you wasted a crisis. Wasted it.
and the best, you know, I don't want to go through things in my, I've often said I don't want to go through things more than I have to. So often you look in Scripture, tests in people's lives. If they responded correctly, they didn't necessarily go through it again. Don't respond so badly to the things in your life that you have to go through them over and over and over and over and over again. When God sends you on a detour, look at, Lord, what do you want me to do with this detour? And then there's eight things I came up with that I think one of the reasons why they could be. So with that, we'll pray. Dear Father, I thank you that we can come into your house. I thank you uh, for your word and just how it speaks to us on a, a simple level. And it's not a simple book. But Lord, it speaks to us if we'll pay attention in a unique, in an individual way. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be uh, attentive and um, help us not to complain when, when we have to take detours. Nobody, everybody likes to get there the most direct way, but sometimes the long way around is the way you want us to go and help us to learn the lessons you'd have us to learn. I thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen.